Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights for Game Week 36 of the Premier League season. With their data always provided by InfoGoal, Gareth Wheeler, Andrew Beasley with you again. A full slate of games this weekend. No midweek fixtures as the focus then turned to European football, but we're back with the domestic game in the Premier League this weekend. Now, we ended last week's podcast hoping that there were some goals on the weekend. I think that Andrew and I both thought there was a really good chance for goals. Well, what was a bank holiday in the UK on Monday turned into just making money Monday for me as 21 goals were scored in three games that all crushed the over. So if you backed us in those games, uh, congratulations, good listening, well done, and let's hope for more uh, more performances like that for this upcoming week. Uh, what did you think of last game week? Uh, Monday really was the uh, exclamation point on, on it all. Lots of goals and some upsets as well. Yeah, it was a strange week. It's the sort of week you see this time of the season where games can go a little bit haywire and, and, and crazy things can happen. I mean, those three games Monday, you know, each team that won actually lost the XG. I mean, Fulham beat Leicester, that was 1.7 to 3.3 on the XG. Um, Brighton lost 5-1 to Everton, but that was 3.4 to 3.0 on the XG. And Forest beat Southampton 4-3, that was 2.8 to 3.6. So, I mean, with the, with those kind of underlying numbers, you could have a, you could have had any kind of outcome, really. And um, and obviously, what we got, particularly in the first two games, was was a, was an unlikely one. I mean, all three teams that lost each had five clear-cut chances. They could have easily scored more than they did, um, particularly Brighton. But, I mean, that's, that's often the way with them, unfortunately, for them at home. So, yeah, I mean, crazy games and, and some results there that, that I don't think anyone would have seen coming. Most obviously, Everton's win at Brighton. Uh, it was a good week if you played straight-up winners. Uh, last week as well, Arsenal beating Newcastle. They were great in that game. Closed at plus 207 on Pinnacle, an implied probability of 32.6. West Ham outright win against Manchester United. You can thank David De Gea if you were holding a West Ham ticket, plus 264, uh, an implied probability of 27.5. Chelsea actually won a game and scored three goals in the process. They closed at plus uh, 111 as well, an applied probability of 47.4. Uh, I tip Wolves to rebound after uh, just an embarrassing effort against Brighton the week before. They beat the rival Aston Villa. Finally, that bubble burst to a certain degree. Maybe they're a little bit on the bounce back this week. And Spurs beat Palace. So the outright wins last week, Andrew, uh, really left a mark. Uh, and especially wins, not to mention the wins at the bottom of the table. With with Everton, Nottingham Forest, and West Ham all picking up valuable points at this end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it, losing at Fulham was a bad result for Leicester anyway. But then, obviously, with Everton picking up an unexpected thumping win of, of Brighton, it just sort of made it even worse for them. So, um, yeah, everything's getting really compressed down there. I mean, it, it sort of was anyway. But um, if you sort of accept that Southampton are, are gone, you've then got four teams between thirty and thirty-three points. Could still be any two from from four. Um, I, I certainly fear for Leeds and Leicester, who are in the bottom uh, three at the moment. But things can turn quickly. Nobody would have seen Everton winning 5-1 at Brighton. Perhaps one of those teams has a surprising result this weekend. Both got difficult-looking um, home games. But, you know, as we say, this time of the season, funny things do happen. Uh, Leicester conceded five in that game. They look so good from an attacking perspective at times, but just... Defensively, no matter who their goalkeeper is, no matter who's playing in the back four, the errors are there. They were plus 1,600 to be relegated on pinnacle preseason. Now at minus 225, and taking a look at the futures market on pinnacle, Leeds at minus 275, Leicester City minus 225, Nutting Forest plus 140, and Everton plus 250. How do you look at those four teams? Because two of them will be going down. 
Yeah, well, we spoke a bit about it in the last show, didn't we? And I, I sort of mentioned that Nottingham Forest would be potentially a good option for the for the drop. And then obviously they they went and won, um, beat the XG to uh, to beat Southampton. Um, but but I think they'll still find it very difficult, um, Forest, because of obviously the games they've got remaining. I think you know they had to beat Southampton and they did, but that doesn't mean that their remaining fixtures are, are going to be any easier. Particularly, um, their only home game is against Arsenal, and they've got to go to to Palace and Chelsea. I guess in their favour is the fact that um, you know those sides don't have anything particularly to play for. But um, with Forest having been so bad on the road, they they can't sort of take anything for granted. So um, you know, my, my uh, I think Forest have, have drifted since I since I tipped them to go down. Um, but I think there's still there's it's still a very real possibility that they could go. Um, and obviously Everton, Man City this weekend. Obviously we will talk about that. But you'd have to assume they'll probably lose. So. You know, they could be right back in it um, come the end of this weekend. I put in a play for Leicester, sorry, Nottingham Forest to go down months ago. Uh, at plus 140, I, I still think it could be worth a play. Both Leeds and Leicester City play West Ham, who are still competing in European football right now. We'll see. I think that Everton, famous final words, I think they're too good to go down, but perhaps that might not be the case. But plus 140, that's the only one that jumps out for me and Manchester United continues to stumble uh, Liverpool plus 170 uh, the way that they're running right now is that worth the play for you to finish in the top four it's still not for me I mean I think nope. it's um, you know Liverpool are doing their best to sort of keep this interesting um, but they're still quite <laughs> sorry United way. United are doing well, their part as well Yes, that's that. That is true. But um, obviously, Newcastle and Manchester United will will both be favourites for their games this weekend, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute. They both play before Liverpool as well. So, um, for instance, you know, if Newcastle win, they'll be uh, six points ahead of Liverpool. Liverpool only having three to play. So, I think you know, if Newcastle and Manchester United win this weekend, then it then it as close to ends it without actually ending it. I think so. Um, you know, strange things have happened and Liverpool are certainly in form, but I just think there's there's too few games left for them to make up the gap. So I, I wouldn't be backing Liverpool at this point, but who knows? I mean, obviously, if, if Newcastle and United drop points, then then it will carry on. But um, I, I still expect those two teams to get there. Yeah, for Manchester United, three of their final four games are at home and Old Trafford has absolutely beat a fortress. Uh, fortress and congratulations to anyone that made an Everton play. It was the upset of the week, scoring five goals against Brighton. It closed at plus seven fifty two on Pinnacle. So hopefully that will provide some uh, inspiration for the podcast this week to go on and find dig deep and find a big plus play that we might share for you here. No pressure, Andrew Beasley. So let's dig into it, our feature five, and we'll go rapid fire for the entire Game Week 36 calendar. Let's start off with a Saturday fixture. It's Aston Villa and Tottenham Hotspur. Villa lost 1-0 to Wolves in a game they, they conceded early, but really outplayed Wolves for the duration of that game. Uh, they've played to the under two and a half in five of six. Uh, but Villa have won their last five games at home and smashed the opponent in terms of XG, according to InfoGoal, in each and every one of those five wins. Spurs, a 1-0 victory over Crystal Palace. Guess who? Harry Kane, another goal. They've actually played over two and a half in five of their last six games, the exception being last weekend. Both teams to score have played in eight of nine. Spurs are winless in their last six away from home. In the process, conceding four to Liverpool, Six at Newcastle and draws against the Giants that are Everton, Southampton, and Wolves. Yikes. Head-to-head, Villa beat Spurs this season 2-0 in the reverse fixture. But they've gone over the 2.5 total in 5 of 7. So Villa and Spurs, uh, what do you make of this game? Spurs, you know, clinging on to their hopes of European football. Does Villa put a dent into any of those aspirations this weekend? Yeah, I think they possibly will. I mean, um, you know, they will view this as an opportunity to draw level with with Tottenham on 57 points. Um, a three-goal win for Villa, all right, that's perhaps a bit of a big ask, but that would put them ahead on goal difference as well. So, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, motivation for Villa here if they're chasing a European spot. I think this is one of those games that's quite tough to call because you've got Villa very resolute, 
Very hard to beat at home. As you say, they've won their last five at home to nil, deservedly so, pretty much on the expected goals. I mean, Bournemouth were the best with 0.96 in those last five games at Villa Park. They kept Newcastle to 0.67 expected goals. So if they could do that to them, you'd have to think they can do that to Tottenham. And obviously with Tottenham, you just don't really know what you're going to get. I mean, I think we tipped goals last weekend when they played Crystal Palace and it ended up 1-0. But, but clearly on the road, I mean, Tottenham have been all over the place. There have been three goals down inside 15 minutes in their last two away games. And obviously they sort of recovered better at Liverpool than they did at Newcastle. But but clearly they, they you know, don't do too well away from home and they haven't been doing very well away from home. So I think... Um, you know, my money would probably be on Villa, but I, I'm not sure I have a strong play in this one. So I still think it's quite hard to call. Tottenham can pull a performance out of the bag now and again. Um, so I'm thinking maybe Villa on the handicap. Minus 0.25 is currently minus 100. Um, but I'm not really sure. And I, I think probably unders on the goals, under 2.75 at minus 110. But I've, I'm really not sure. This This is one that I don't have a real strong feeling for. I look at this as being one that I think that Aston Villa can just win this game outright. Aston Villa at plus 129 is my play. I like the trends, five straight wins at home, six games without a win away for Spurs. Villa have gradually improved their home form over the course of the season, weren't very good. Seems like a lifetime ago under Steven Gerrard. Uh, Unai Emery is a top manager. Ryan Mason maybe become one at some point, someday. He's not there yet. Uh, no. That provides for me a decisive advantage in Aston Villa's favor and a team that already beat Spurs this year 2-0. I think it's a good matchup. I think that it's a team that remains lively, a real threat in attack. Emi Buendia has been excellent. Ollie Watkins still in really good form. Uh, it's just a question of how many goals they'll score against Spurs this weekend and whether it'll be enough. I don't mind looking at the total. I don't mind some of the other plays, but I think Aston Villa, an outright win at plus 129 is good enough for me. So let's hope that trend that kind of took place last week of outright winners uh, really standing out in terms of the winning plays. Hopefully that carries over and continues into this week. But for me, Villa is a better team, aside on better form, much more reliable, better coach. They're at home. Pick them to win plus 129. So anything else to add on this? No, I mean, when you lay it out like that, better team, better manager, home advantage. I mean, yeah, it does make a lot of sense, certainly. <laughs> Sometimes, like, you know, we, we can dig into the data. And you're right. Some of the data, you know, basically shows on InfoGoal that it might be a relatively even match. It, it could. Uh, I think that context at this stage of the season is important to weigh in and just having a feel for some of these games and some of these teams right now. And Spurs, <laughs> they are the epitome of unreliable. So I just can't back them going away and beating a very good team that's been on good form. Despite what was for me, Andrew, a predictable loss to to Wolves last weekend. Maybe not a loss, but it was predictable that Wolves would bounce back and play much better. There's a rivalry game, so I could see how that happened. So I think they'll get back on track this weekend. Uh, let's move on. And it is Wolves who are traveling to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United. This is the statistic of the week for Manchester United. This is the first time since September they haven't had a midweek fixture. They've been playing weekend, midweek, weekend since September. Now, take away the international windows, of course, because no one was playing. This is just regular domestic and European and cup football because they've gone so deep in every competition. They play 57 games, and that just shows you the fixture buildup. So a week off, and we'll see if they can respond after back-to-back 1-0 losses. Manchester United's problem right now, but yeah, sure, the blunder by David De Gea and the 1-0 loss to West Ham, we get it. But they're only ninth in the Premier League in goals, and they've just scored once over the course of their last three Premier League games. And now they're just a point better than Liverpool with a game in hand. The good news is that three of their final four games are at home, including this one, a place they haven't lost since their first home match of the season. They played to under two and a half in four of their last five games. For Wolves, they bounced back from a 6-0 loss to a 1-0 win over Aston Villa. 40 points, they're in 13th. Safety is insured, uh, but they still regularly play to the under five of their last seven they've been under two and a half they haven't won in their last six away 
and they've just scored four goals away from home over that span. 11 points over overall in 17 away games is just 18th in away points, and 12 goals scored away from home is 19th in the Premier League. Head-to-head, United won on New Year's Eve. Marcus Rashford scored the goal. It was a 1-0 final, and these two sides have played to the under in 8 of 9. That under trend is one that stands out, yet the total set at 3 for this one. Perhaps you could explain this to me. What am I missing here, Andrew? Yeah, I'm really not sure about that one. I mean, I I was looking at the score lines from the last um, six meetings of these teams, and basically it's 0-1-0-1-0-1-1-2-1-0-0-0 from most recent going backwards. I think there have been a lot of games between Wolves and Man United in recent years. I think they've played in the Cup sometimes as well. Always the same thing, 1-0-0-0-1-1, these sorts of score lines. So quite why the why the line is set at three, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm assuming it's be, probably because um, United have been very good at home and Wolves have been very bad away. Um, as you say, United unbeaten in 15 at home. They've had the fourth best record in the division. Wolves pretty poor on the road, um, but they don't give up too many goals. Um, so I mean, I'm looking at the the under three at minus one one eight as a as a fairly obvious play in this one. Um, you know, United, as you say, sort of struggling to score at the moment, but they've not been giving many, giving up many goals. I mean, the two one nil defeats, an error by De Gea, and a penalty in the ninety whatever minute it was at Brighton. I mean, that's two games that very easily could have been nil nil. Let's be honest. Um, and so, with that in mind, I mean, I, I also quite like the look of Wolves at plus one point two five on the handicap at plus one hundred three. Um, five of their ten away defeats this season have been by a single goal. Um, as we say, the last five meetings have been one goal wins for somebody and a nil-nil. And the last five at Old Trafford have all been one goal wins or draws. So, I mean, giving Wolves over a goal in the handicap um, appeals to me um, as bad as they've been away from home because they they know how to keep things tight and United are struggling. But um, I think, you know, that's a separate thing. I mean, I think the unders has to be the way to go, really. Yeah. You have to follow the trend here uh, with the data as, as well as the way that these two sides play one another. It's regularly in under. Under three at minus 118. I just can't turn that down. I'd kick myself if I didn't make that play. The only sticking point is United coming off actual rest. Mm-hmm. Um, last week was difficult. They actually stayed down in Brighton and just traveled up to West Ham to play on match day. It's been a quick turnaround. They look absolutely exhausted. So, you know, playing at home, having those days off, does that inspire a bounce back perhaps but when i think bounce back i'm thinking maybe a 2-0 like i'm not i'm not thinking of like a 4-1 you know watch that goes out and happens but it's just it's nothing would suggest that it would happen wolves their attacking struggles have been well documented and for manchester united over the course of the season other than marcus rashford where's where the reliable goals coming from it's not anthony certainly isn't martial or weghorst you know Bruno drops deeper and deeper to get involved in the play. He's not necessarily the goal-scoring threat that he was when he first joined Manchester United. Sancho certainly has had a very poor season. It's just, I just don't know where the goals are coming from in this United side. So the under is a logical play for me. And you're right, on the handicap, it's probably worth a punt with Wolves if, if you're getting anything over a goal on the handicap as well. That that makes a lot of sense to me, Andrew. Um, any... Any tepidation, any any reluctance to making that play? Can you see anything that you've seen from Wolves or Manchester United make you think that we could see some goals here? Not particularly. I mean, the 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 only thing, obviously, Wolves did lose six um, nil recently at Brighton, but of yeah. course, that probably acts acted as a wake up call rather than a sort of oh well, they're going to lose six nil every week now. You know, sort of a, a somewhat freak result that they will have um, responded to. I can't find the figures now. I was just trying to find them, but I was I did see earlier about Manchester United underperforming their expected goals, and when you go through their players, yeah. obviously, it's by Man- about seven, Andrew. It's by mm-hmm. about seven goals on the season, I believe. It is. And um, Rashford is, um, Rashford's obviously having a good season. You know, everybody, everybody's aware of that. But um, so many of the other guys are, are like sort of a goal, two goals below. Ericsson is, Anthony is, Fernandez is. 
And obviously, these are guys who take a lot of their shots beyond Rashford. Um, so with all those guys underperforming, it sort of, you know, explains why they're seven goals below and and why they don't score all that many goals for the for the chances they create sometimes. So, um, no, I mean, with, with those guys likely to play, as you say, the week's rest maybe helps them. But I think we're so deep into the season that a week when you've got, you know, 57 games yeah. played, I think you said, how much difference is that going to make? Possibly some, but... You know, it's it's a long way into the season for it to make too much difference. So, um, yeah, I, I can't look past a low-scoring game here. So um, I think that's got to be the way to go. All right, let's move on. It's Brentford and West Ham this weekend. Brentford coming off a 1-0 loss at Liverpool. I thought they played okay mm-hmm. over the course of the game, but nowhere near enough in the attacking third. Just a 0.29 XG according to InfoGoal in that game. Brentford have now played to the under in four or five, uh, 31 points at home. They beat a good home side, 32 goals scored, 18 conceded. Um, and it, in terms of uh, like a plus, um, an expected goal differential, a plus 17, it's been, or sorry, a plus 9.3 expected goal differential, correcting myself, uh, just backs up how good that they've been in terms of their home form over the course of the season. They played 17 home games. That's where that number came from. Thank you very much to my notes uh, to confusing me. Uh, West Ham, a deserved one nothing victory over Manchester United, despite the De Gea gaffe. They played very well organized, played some good football, 1.85 XG in that game as well. And it was a big win for West Ham, considering both Forrest and Ever- Everton also both won on the weekend. So 30 point, 37 points, it's just about enough to stay up. You know, they haven't mathematically got enough, but it looks to be enough. They play Azad Alkmar on Thursday in the Conference League first leg semi-final. And then they play next Thursday as well. So I wonder how much that will play or alter David Moy's approach to this one. Moy says you never can take it for granted playing European football. They'll go into this competition with the clear intent to go on and win it. Uh, they finished the season by playing both Leeds and Leicester City as well. So a draw really in either one of those games will just about do the trick. So this one this weekend, not essential, not incredibly vital for West Ham. They played over the two and a half goal total in six of seven. Had to have these two sides to play twice this season. Brentford won 2-0, but West Ham won at Brentford 1-0 in the FA Cup, and they played to under the two and a half total in four of their last five. Are you looking at the context here of European football potentially weighing in on the way that you feel about this game, Andrew? Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, West Ham are basically safe, you know, not mathematical, but I think they're available at plus 25,005 to go down. So I think that I think that says everything about the likelihood of them of them going down. And obviously, they've got this European semi-final. We're recording this before they play that. So it will be interesting to see what happens there. Um, They're home to Alkmaar, as we say, on Thursday night. So obviously, that's going to that's going to be relevant. I think there could be a game where they ring the changes because of that. Um, we saw the recent game they had at Manchester City uh, prior to the United game where uh, David Moyes rested a few of his key players. And I think he could probably do likewise here. I mean, particularly if, you know, if Leeds lose on on Saturday, this game is on Sunday. If Leeds lose, then then Leeds can't catch um, West Ham. And then they're just down to, to Leicester possibly catching West Ham. And as you say, they play each other anyway. Um, so I think... This is one that favours Brentford for that reason, in that West Ham will almost certainly take their eye off the ball unless there's a huge result um, in the game on Thursday night, a huge win or a huge defeat. Most likely it'll be fairly close. They'll want to rest players for this one as a result. Um, It is one, I mean, I sort of feel like maybe it could end up in a draw. Brentford have had 14 draws, the most of any team. And I think a draw probably suits West Ham. But a draw is always a difficult prediction because um, you never you never sort of know when they're going to come along. And as we say, a lot of definite results have been happening lately. Wins, not too many draws. Um, the unders, probably worth a look. West Ham are bottom of the Premier League for, for games with over 2.5 goals. Um, so the unders are at minus 108. Uh, that, that, you know, close game, I think, is probably going to happen with Brentford not much to play for and West Ham with their eye off the ball, possibly. Um, it's another one where I don't really have a strong play, but um, yeah, I think I think Brentford at plus one eleven probably looks um, quite decent, just because they've been very strong at home, and uh, and as we say, West Ham will have other things on their mind. Yeah, 
Uh, I like the Brentford outright win at plus 111 for all those documented reasons. Brentford's been a great home play at plus money over the course of the season. And I think that this number, it's maybe you're getting a little bit more juice than I thought just because of the context with West Ham playing on Thursday and the focus. And if West Ham is to rotate, Kurt Zuma is still out through injury. It's at the back. And is this team good enough defensively on the balance of it to keep Brentford for scoring? I mean, Brentford at Liverpool, it was frustrating watching them play in the attacking third, but their processes were okay. Uh, I, I actually kind of have a little bit, a slight lean to the over two and a half at minus 104 as well in this game. I, I think this is a game right for Tony and company to, to get back on track playing at home against another London side uh, who might be a little bit weary or have their eye cast at a different competition now because of the win last weekend. If West Ham didn't beat United last weekend, I think I'd feel a lot different about this game. But based on the context, I like Brentford at home at plus 111. Give me that all day long. So, Yeah, definitely. And and something else I've just thought of. I mean, obviously, if Brentford were to go, say, two goals up in terms of the overs and unders, I mean, if Brentford were to go two goals up, how much are West Ham going to put in to get back into this game? I'm not sure they are. So then does it become 3-0, 4-0? Doesn't really make too much difference to, to West Ham in that regard. So um, as much as I feel sort of the unders, the overs make sense if, Brentford get ahead early, I think. Yeah, yeah. based on the, the context, not the data. So um, yeah. we'll allow you to balance that out and where you end up falling this weekend for the Brentford West Ham fixture. Let's move it forward to Everton and Manchester City. It was a shock result of the weekend. Everton going to Brighton and winning that game 4-1. They scored in the first minute. Dwight McNeil with the brace. He was great. DeCore was awesome on the day as well. He scored a brace as well. They ended up losing the XG battle, as Andrew documented earlier, 3.44 to 2.96, according to InfoGoal. But still, 2.96, it's a big number. In fact, it's the third time in the last five games with Everton that they've actually had an XG of over 2.45. So they're creating really good goal scoring chances they're 17th two points better than both Leicester City and Leeds they played to over two and a half in four of five no clean sheets in three and both teams to score has has cashed in four of five for Manchester City a 2-1 victory over Leeds last weekend which looked to be a stroll in the park Gundogan missed a penalty could have gone 3-0. Then Rodrigo scored. You're like, Leeds aren't going to steal this. They had like 80% possession in the game. Then they went to Real Madrid and picked up a nondescript 1-1 draw in the first leg of the Champions League semifinal. Uh, they, I think they had a, only a 0.29 XG in that game, according to InfoGoal, against Real Madrid. So not the city that we've seen in the Premier League. But good news for them, they're back playing in the Premier League this weekend. There's still a point better with the game in hand on Arsenal. A little bit of a tricky way to end this season. So maybe it's not a fated to complete that City go on to win the Premier League title. They play Chelsea. Can last week's win inspire them to bigger and better things? I don't know. But then they have to go to Bright and Brentford to finish the season. They played uh, over two in terms of expected goals in their last four Premier League games. They haven't lost in 21 games in all competitions. They've gone over the two and a half total in five of six, and both teams to score in four or five in all competitions. Head-to-head. I'm not sure if you remember this, but they played to a 1-1 draw at the Etihad earlier this season. It was a 2.32 XG, just a 0.09 in City's favor in that game. But I believe Damari Gray scored uh, a second-half equalizer to share the points. City haven't lost in 12 in this matchup. Everton, no clean sheets, coincidentally, in 12 games. City has scored first in 10 of 10 in these fixtures as well. So what do you make here? Can Everton go back-to-back weeks springing a shock result? Or does City really put some keen focus on this game, understanding that they're playing at home next week against Real Madrid? Um, winner goes to the Champions League final. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a very different level of matchup, but it's sort of similar to the to the Brentford-West Ham issue, whereby you've got a team with a with a massive European game acting as something of a distraction. I mean, obviously it was not as big a shock as Everton winning um, so heavily at Brighton, but I think we all thought Manchester City would brush Leeds United aside by by quite a lot more than than two one. I mean, and it and it didn't happen. 
So it leaves me not quite sure what to play on this one because I, I, I'm certainly confident that Manchester City will win. But how much will the Real Madrid factor play into that? I think City will be favourites to go through in that, having got the 1-1 draw yesterday as we record this. But clearly, there's still a lot of work to be done in that game. And I think, you know, I sort of looked at City minus 1.5 at plus 106. I could certainly be tempted by that. But then you look at their record. They've had three 1-0s and a 1-1 at bottom half sides this season. They don't always blow these teams away. And obviously, Everton are coming back into it on the on the back of um, you know a very big win will be full of confidence. We saw them beat Arsenal at home earlier in this season. So, yeah, it's a difficult one to know how to play. I think City will win, but but quite what happens beyond that, I'm not sure. The only other one I thought probably is um, is a winner total goals, Manchester City and over 2.5 plus 101. I think that could uh, could easily happen because I can't see Man- uh, Everton keeping them at bay um, to, to any real extent. But um, yeah, not really sure about this one. How, how do you feel about it? Well, I'm going to follow a couple trends based upon what we've seen. Everton are creating chances and are continuing to be a plucky, difficult side to play against. Yeah, they've laid an egg a couple of times, but that happens with these bottom-of-the-table sides. We also know that Manchester City are the top team in this league. All the numbers dictate that. XG, uh, expected goal differential, home away from home. It, do- it doesn't matter where they play. They're the top team in the league. But what City does on a regular basis is con- continues to, to continues to concede cheap goals. <laughs> they did so against Leeds. The game looked well in hand. I mean, look at over recent weeks against vastly superior, uh, inferior competition that they've conceded goals against. So I like both teams to score and City to win at plus two twenty eight. Um, it, it, it is just piecing together like what the trends for both teams have been. City go out and score enough goals to win, uh, but they end up conceding on a week to week basis as well. I think Everton can go and score against City. Perhaps it's a garbage time goal. If I'm Pep and City in this game, I want this game done and dusted as quick as possible. I might have some rotation. It doesn't matter. You bring in Rico Lewis, you bring it like they have more than enough good players to come in, but perhaps maybe a little bit less cohesion means they're a little bit more vulnerable at the back. Alvarez leading the line. I'm fine with that, like these sorts of things. And they're still good enough to go on and score and win this game. So both these to score in City went at plus 228 to my play. Have I convinced you or you're still a little bit on the fence? No, no, absolutely. That sounds like a good play to me. I mean, as you say, City don't keep many clean sheets. I think they've got the same number as Wolves, maybe one more than Brentford, things like that. They, you know, they don't have... Their defensive record overall is good, but they just aren't as many clean sheets as you'd think. They often, you know, two ones and three ones and four ones and things like that. So, um, yeah, that, that's not a bad shout, certainly. All right. And finally, if you're looking for fireworks on the weekend, perhaps this is the game to watch. It's Arsenal and, Arsenal and Brighton. Arsenal won at Newcastle, played really well in a 2-0 victory. Back-to-back wins over Chelsea and Newcastle. Excuse me, and they've scored two or more goals. It's incredible. In nine of their last 10 games, and 31 goals scored overall over the course of their last 10 games. Kids, I'm no mathematician, but that's 3.1 goals per game over their last 10. It's wild, and they've scored in each and every one of them. They played to over two and a half and seven of eight. Both teams to score has played in eight of nine. They've been the first, first to score in eight of 10, and the first half winner in eight of 10. The defensive prowess, I mean, that's gone out the window, but this team from an attacking perspective is as good as it gets right now in the Premier League. Brighton, speaking about a very good attack, well, it was kind of the defensive frailties that were front and center against Everton. They came off coming off a clean sheet at home against Manchester United, perhaps riding a little bit too high because it's conceded early and often in a 5-1 home loss to Everton. Matters got worse with Sully March doing his hamstring, so he's going to be out for this game as well. Brighton, much like Arsenal, I've played to the over, uh, over 2.34 in terms of XG in their last five games. It's just incredible the chances they're creating. And the and against Everton, however, it was the biggest expected goals against they've given up in 2023. Uh, the biggest since. New Year's Eve when they played Arsenal and lost in that game. 
Uh, Brighton have played over two and a half in five of seven. They've only played 33 games. So they still have two in hand on Spurs and only two points behind them and have two games in hand on Liverpool and are seven points behind them. Head to head, that aforementioned New Year's Eve game, Arsenal won it. 4-2 was the final, but Brighton did knock Arsenal out of the EFL Cup in November. It was a 3-1 final in that game. No clean sheets for either in their last three meetings. So you know where I'm casting my eye, Andrew. I'm that predictable. I'm looking at the goals here and the total. Uh, are you looking there? Or are you looking elsewhere? No, I think it has to be goals. I think everything is sort of pointing in that direction. I mean, I think this is, for me, this is the game of the weekend, at least from an entertainment perspective. Maybe not sure. the biggest game of the weekend in terms of of what's on the line necessarily. But I think in terms of entertainment, this is going to be the game of the weekend, or it certainly should be. I think it's quite funny that, you know, they're 36 points apart in the league table, yet the Infogol table has them as the second and third best teams. So that they're sort of more closely matched than perhaps the league table would suggest. And as you say, Brighton have got a good record there. I mean, they've won three of their last four visits, um, all by a 2-1 or 3-1 scoreline. But as we've said, it's got to be, you've got to be looking at the goals. I mean, 13 of Arsenal's 17 home games have paid out on over 3.5 goals, including the last seven. You've got Brighton, who've had a 6-0 win and a 5-1 lot in the last few weeks. I mean, we said this last week similarly about Tottenham and Crystal Palace, and it ended up 1-0. You know, their they're teams have had a lot of goals in their games, but this just feels like a game where there's going to be... It could it could end any score. It could be 4-3 um, Arsenal. It could be 4-1 Brighton. I don't think anything like that would, would surprise me that much. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the line is set at three, but even over three at minus 110... I'm certainly looking at, um, and also both teams to score and over 2.5 goals. That's minus 116. I don't know who's going to win, but I'm, I'm confident there will be a lot of goals. So get that over three at minus 110 if you want that play, because that number is going to go one direction. So jump on now when you're listening to this. I'm not sure where it's at. Like I'd much rather play over three than both teams to score and over two and a half at minus 116. You're getting a little bit more juice, but I'd rather play over three. That's the only way that I can see this thing going. Add the context to this game. Arsenal have to win. They have to win. And Brighton, really a draw does them no good. They have to win if they want to push on for potentially Europa League football. So two teams that are inspired to go out and win the game, two teams that are wide open oftentimes at the back. Two teams that play outstanding, like elite level attacking football in terms of chance creation. <laughs> Over three, lock it in at minus 110. Uh, I actually got it this morning at minus 109 and locked in my play. So good luck hitting that button on pinnacle as quickly as you can. Uh, yeah, anything I mean, else there? Well, the only thing I was going to add as well, I mean... We don't expect Manchester City to not beat Everton. But I mean, obviously, Arsenal will need to win either way. But I mean, if Man City do drop points at Everton earlier in the day, I mean, the atmosphere will be will be crazy at the Emirates as well, on top of everything else. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm just expecting chaos, basically, right. whatever happens. Right. Bring on the chaos and bring on the goals. And then Andrew's happy. I'm happy. And hopefully you're happy as well. Let's go rapid fire for the final games of the weekend. Leeds against Newcastle. What do you see playing out here? Well, I was looking up the reverse fixture and saw that it was nil-nil on New Year's yeah. Eve. And even I took a haircut on-, on that one, Andrew. Sorry to interrupt. Like, that was one of those fixtures like this has to be going to the over. And then it plays out in, in a goalless draw. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, but you're right. I mean, it was it was one of those games. I just thought it was funny that it was on New Year's Eve as recently as that. And it was three Leeds managers ago that that game took place. But um, wow. yeah, I mean, it, it really should have been on the overs. I mean, it was it was nil-nil, as we say, but Newcastle had seven clear-cut chances in that game. And it's the only example of a team having at least that many in the Premier League this season and not scoring at least twice. Teams with that many normally score three or more. Um Obviously, there's the Allardyce factor to take account of. You know, did a pretty good job of shutting down Manchester City. They'll have the home crowd on their side. Um, but I think I'm probably looking at Newcastle to win and over 2.5 goals because I think they're in they're in good goal scoring form. Um, obviously, drew a blank against um, Arsenal, but that's one of the toughest games that they'll have. So I think um, Newcastle to win and over 2.5 goals. Just trying to find it now. It was plus 148 earlier. 
Um, and it's plus 141. So again, it's it's heading in the in that direction. So um, yeah, that's my pick for this one. I don't know what it is. If this is a compliment to Allardyce or really it's something I need, just need to look in, at myself in the mirror and say, what are you thinking? That Allardyce factor, I'm just like... I don't know. It's in my head. Andrew, I watched last weekend against Manchester City. They just sat back. Allardyce was okay. It's not running around manic like Jesse Marsh football. It wasn't somewhere in between for Gracia. It was very pronounced. And I think that that kind of approach can be effective for a team like Leeds who do have players that can go on and score goals. Like they, they do. They have zero defensive discipline. They're all over the shop. Um, but perhaps this different style can ask a question or two out of this Newcastle side. I'm not advocating a Leeds United win here. I looked at the handicap. I'm not even touching that. <laughs> but I'm not betting Newcastle either in this game. I do look at the total. And Leeds hasn't had a clean sheet in 12. They played to over the two and a half total in nine of 10 and both teams to score in 10 of 10. Newcastle, no clean sheets in seven. They've gone over two and a half in six of seven and both teams to score as played in five of seven. So based on that, I'm going both teams to score at over two and a half at plus 104. That's it. Maybe it'll be two one leads. Maybe it'll be two one. I don't know. Am, am, am I an absolute fool to let Sam Allardyce get in my head? Because he has, and I fully admit it. Yeah, I mean, it's you know hard to know what they'll what they'll do. As you say, the Allardyce factor um, is always something to be taken account of in a Premier League match. But I just look at the table and see that it's the best defense in the league against the worst defense in the league, and I'm not sure how much <laughs> Allardyce can do to sort of arrest that fact. Um, so no, I, I'm happy with, with my play, but, um, I, I'm not sort of, you know, a hundred percent confident that Newcastle will win because it is, it is an interesting situation. Ellen road will be bumping on the weekend as well. Uh, both teams will score the over. Let's go bring on the goals. <laughs> Let that trend continue. Southampton just about going down, done and dusted as they take on Fulham. What do you say here? Yeah, I mean, Southampton are gone. Um, if not officially, then uh, it's only a matter of time. Fulham playing very well, playing with freedom. Um, you know, the last away game was at Anfield, only lost 1-0 to a, to a soft penalty, as I think we discussed in the last show or, or one of our recent shows. There's been a lot of games lately. Um, so I just think Fulham at plus 152. I think, you know, they're a very good team. Um, you know, not perhaps as, as good as their uh, results suggest, but certainly better than Southampton. So um, I would be looking at Fulham to win. And uh, again, the goal is over 2.5 at minus 108. Always over with Fulham is, a, is our general rule. It, it didn't work for the Liverpool game, but then obviously they, they came back with a 5-3 on Monday. So uh, back in form on that uh, on that front. So yeah, I'm thinking Fulham to win and I'm expecting goals. I think so, I think over, over might be the play here, Andrew, based upon that. So that they can't keep a clean sheet. They haven't done it in nine. Fulham haven't had a clean sheet in 11. I just... I look at the total of two and a half at minus 108. I'm thinking, okay. Um, no Bella Kocha. He's out for Southampton. Reem, Andreas Pereira, and Mitrovic uh, remain out for Fulham. I'm also flirting with the fact sometimes, like when you go down and you're like, okay, we're done. Maybe you come out at home and play a little bit more free. A place where at St. Mary's, they haven't been blessed with anything that resembles decent football this year. Perhaps Southampton can get something out of this game. Fulham are like they're in they're in Tom Cruise control right now. Like Southampton draw no bet at plus one oh eight. I can see this game ending in a in a draw, potentially get your money back. If not, Southampton, would it shock you if they won this game? No. No, no. Plus money. I mean, and you get your money back if you draw. I don't think that's a bad play either. No, I mean, you're right. They will probably play with freedom. I mean, the, the one thing that's tipped me towards Fulham, they're third in the sort of mini league of the other 14 teams, as we call mm. them, the non-big six teams. They've been the third best in that. And obviously top of that are Newcastle, who are, who are soon going to be considered one of the big teams, I think, you know, if they're not already. So um, Fulham have been very good in this sort of fixture and Southampton have been abysmal at home. So that's, that's what's tipped me towards Fulham. But 
again, it's one where I think um, goals is probably a stronger play than, a, than an outright yes. uh, prediction, just because this could go anyway, really. I, I was adding that extra take just for food for thought, by the way. I'm not making that play, but I might end up making that play if it gets a little bit more juice heading into the weekend. Uh, Chelsea and Nottingham Forest. Chelsea coming off a win. Nottingham Forest coming off a win coming into this one. So what do you make of it here at Stamford Bridge this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 a tough game to care about, I think, this one, really. I mean, <laughs> Forest fans certainly will. Yes. But, I, but, but I think for the neutral, the season that Chelsea are having, it's sort of hard to sort of drum up any enthusiasm for any of their games, really. I mean... Hopefully they should have picked up some confidence. As we say, they did win last time out 3-1 at Bournemouth. And in fairness, as, as much as they've had a poor season, I mean, they've, they've won six, drawn one, lost one at home to the teams who are below them, which, you know, suggests that they should, um, they should really win this game. I mean, we've said that a lot about Chelsea and they've, and they've disappointed on a regular basis. I'm looking at both teams to score. Uh, yes, is a plus 101. Uh, it's happened in the last four Forest games and three of Chelsea's last four games. You know, Forest are still not in great form, but they are at least picking up goals, which they weren't before. Um, you know, Chelsea, who knows what they're going to deliver. So very difficult to know. I think that's the closest I've got to a play, but I'm, I'm sort of happy to leave this one alone, to be honest. Yeah, I, I love the both teams to score. Good man at plus 101. Why not? Chelsea, no clean sheets in seven. James, Chilwell, Cucurella, like Pulabai. They have a lot of injuries at the back. I know they have a lot of players, but over the course of, or at least last week, Chelsea went out and actually played a starting 11 with attackers in it. So it shows you this like, you know, play nine or 10 defensive players and just one up top. Lampard has torn that up. Finally, thank goodness. So I think there could be goals in this game. And Forrest are just dreadful from a defensive perspective. Just absolutely awful. They even kept a clean sheet in 14. So let's go. Both teams to score a plus 101. I'm happy with it. Just watching that game. You're right. Hard to get up for it unless you're a Forest fan. It's a big game for them. I think they can go there. I think they can get something from this game, perhaps, which would go a long way for them. I'm not quite sure that they can. I think that Chelsea will win this game, but the odds just aren't there to make a full Chelsea win play here to make it worthwhile. So both teams to score a plus 101. Crystal Palace and Bournemouth. Uh, Palace coming off a loss. Bournemouth coming into this one have won three straight away fixtures. Uh, what do you make of that? What do you make of this game? It's not sexy either, is it? No, I mean, there's probably even less riding on this one because I don't think either team has, has particularly got anything to, to play for. I mean, one thing I noticed, I mean, Roy Hodgson teams are fairly notorious for checking out at the end of the season once they've they've secured their their status. I mean, Palace have got 40, somewhere in the 40s for their points for the last nine seasons, and they're currently on 40. Um, you know, Liverpool fans often talk about the, the Roy Hodgson algorithm of, of playing three games, <laughs> winning one, drawing one, losing one. It's, it's pretty reliable um, with Roy Hodgson. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to know what to do this. I mean, if you look at the data, as we've said, it, it's perhaps not the time of year to rely too heavily on it. But if you look at the data, then it says that the, the Bournemouth uh, is the way to go, a Bournemouth win. So, I mean, I'm looking at Bournemouth plus 0.5, a uh, plus 102 on the handicap. I think that's a good play because Bristol Palace haven't scored all that many goals, even when they, you know, they did pick up a little bit initially under Hodgson, but they don't have much to play for. So I think Bournemouth can can probably get something and, uh, yeah, probably take that handicap play. But, um, yeah, very tough game to call with, with nothing much riding on it. I like it. I, I think in the exact same way, I might stay away entirely if I do make a play Bournemouth with the handicap at 0.5 at plus 102. And finally, more Monday night football. Perfect game to get into with our resident Liverpool expert, Andrew Beasley. It's Leicester City and Liverpool. Uh, it's a big game for Leicester City. Liverpool's away form has improved over the last few weeks. Um, is it enough to give you a distinct play in this game, Andrew? No, I don't think so, because it's quite a difficult game to call. Obviously, we don't know at this point quite how motivated Liverpool will be. Top four may be all but done. It might be right on the table if Newcastle and, and United both both lose this weekend, as unlikely as that seems. And as well, with the goal line set at over 3.25, I, I'm, I'm expecting probably some goals, but I'm not sure there's going to be that many. So it's a very difficult one to know to know where to to put your put your play, I think. 
Leicester has been a difficult place for Liverpool to go in recent years. Why is that, Andrew? I'm not sure. I think you could go all the way back to the 1960s. Leicester have always been a bit of a bogey team for Liverpool. It just seems to be one of those things. But they, but they have Leicester have won the last two meetings at Leicester um, since Liverpool won the league with an emphatic performance 4-0 in 2019-20. But Leicester have won the last two. It's just always been quite a difficult place for Liverpool for some reason. So um, it's also, you know, Leicester need the points more than Liverpool, let's be honest. So it, it will be tough for, for Liverpool in this one. So, yeah, not really sure what to, to play. Have you got any strong thoughts? I, d- I do. Well, I do have a play in this game. Um, Leicester City haven't had a clean sheet in 16 games. <laughs> Unreal. Both teams to score have played in five of five. Again, they're, they're attacking processes. They're okay. And you're right. I think they're going to come out inspired. James Madison thinks he was um, misrepresented in his post-match comments. Mm-hmm. I, I think Leicester are going to have a right go at Liverpool. I still think they can keep the ball out of the back of the net. Liverpool are far too good from an attacking perspective to capitalize on the amateur mistakes that Leicester City continue to make and had made all season long. Both teams to score in over two and a half and minus 103 is my play in, in this game. Uh, I could see it two one one one. I think it will be 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 fairly competitive um, based upon the context here. Uh, but Leicester City, I, I've been on them. They're one of my favorite oversides over the course of the season. You're right at three point two five. It's not a number I want to touch. But over two and a half and both teams to score, I think that's a relatively decent play in this one. I like to have a little bit more juice, Andrew. A plus number here for having basically the parlay to come through at minus 103. But I still think that this number, as long as it stays close to even odds, is a playable number for me. Yeah, no, you you make a good case. I think I think you could well be right. I certainly can't see Leicester keeping a clean sheet. It's just how much they've got the other end and, and what mistakes have Liverpool got in them because there's been a lot of mistakes away from home this season. So a sort of typical Liverpool away performance from this season and well, yeah, it could be anything. 3-2 Leicester, 4-2 Liverpool. I mean, yeah, I think goals goals is the way to go. I'm just that 3-2-5. It's just, yeah, it's, it's turning me off of that a little bit. Goals last Monday. Let's hope for goals this upcoming Monday as well to make at least me a very happy man. Good stuff again this week. And you can follow him on Twitter at Basetune to Red and follow myself at Gareth Wheeler. Odds were correct at the time of recording. And please, as always, gamble responsibly. Enjoy the weekend, Andrew. Top stuff as always. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, I think next week might be my last one of the season. So we'll hopefully uh, go out on a high with that one. Well, there's only two more weeks to go of the season. So does that mean the triumphant return of Jake Osgathorpe to finish this season with a bang? We'll see. And you, the listener, will have to wait and find out as well. On behalf of Andrew and everyone at Pinnacle, this has been EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal.